Hello, and welcome to The Budget Mouse, a podcast about how to plan a magical Disney vacation on a shoestring budget. This week, we'll talk Fast Pass Plus at Walt Disney World, get you up to date on everything we know about Toy Story Land, and I'll share a money-saving tip about Dole Whips. Welcome again, everyone, to episode two of The Budget Mouse. I'm Leah, the blogger behind TheBudgetMouse.com. I visit Disney World several times each year, and I'm not rich. I just have tons of tricks for doing Disney on the cheap. I want you to have the incredible vacation you deserve, so I'm sharing all of my tricks with you on my site and here in the podcast. There's so much to say about FastPass, so let's get to it. First, I just want to say thank you, everyone, for your encouragement and feedback from episode one. It's just this awkward stage of starting a new project. So really, thank you for listening and um, giving me some time to work out the kinks here. So this week, we're talking about Fast Pass at Walt Disney World. Now, waiting in line is probably my least favorite part of a Disney World vacation, but luckily, you can avoid a lot of waiting if you're smart with how you use Fast Passes at Disney World. So I'm going to cover the basics of Fast Passes in this episode, but then I'm going to give a lot of tips for kind of advanced users. And even if you've been going to Disney World for years, I think you're going to learn something new. So the basics first. What is Fast Pass? It's a ride reservation system that allows you to reserve access to certain attractions at Walt Disney World. This includes rides, shows, meet and greets, and um, entertainment, nighttime entertainment like fireworks. This only applies to Walt Disney World. Um, There's a totally different system for Disneyland. Um, Now, the first question people ask is, how much does it cost? Well, it's one of the few things at Disney World that's actually free. Uh, No matter where you stay, no matter what you're paying, you can use it. So what I really like about FastPass is it kind of levels the playing field. It really just takes some research and understanding of the system to get the most out of it. And it doesn't matter how much you're paying for your hotel or your tickets, you can have a great experience if you know how to use the FastPass system. So it's a way to like increase the quality of your vacation without spending any extra money just by understanding how the system works. How does it work? Um, So first you need a My Disney Experience account, which you can sign up for on Disney's website or sign up for the app, the My Disney Experience app. Second thing you'll need are park tickets that are linked to your account and also the accounts of everyone in your party. When you make FastPass reservations, you ideally want to make it for everyone that is going to ride together. So everybody needs tickets linked to their account. Now, if you've bought a package from Disney World, your tickets are already linked to your account and you're all set. But if you buy them separately from, for example, Undercover Tourist, which is where I always buy our tickets from to save money, of course, because they're discounted, then you can link them yourself in the My Disney Experience site or app. Now, If you're staying at an off-property resort, something not on Disney property, you need to have your tickets linked before the 30-day window opens. That's 30 days before you check in. Um, If you're staying on Disney property, I suggest having them linked 60 days before you check in so that you can take advantage of the FastPass window. Now, I know this might sound crazy if you're new to Walt Disney World planning. Like, you mean I have to decide what... I'm going to ride and what I'm going to ride it two months before I go. But trust me, fast passes are not going to ruin the spontaneity of your vacation or keep you tied to a tight schedule. Okay, here's why. 
You can only select three fast passes per day in advance, so you really only need to pick a handful of attractions that you really want to experience. Everything else you can just decide on the fly. Um, you will appreciate your advanced planning when you're just walking onto a ride that other people are waiting two hours for. It really makes your visit so much more enjoyable. And also you can always make changes to your fast passes on the go with the app or at kiosks in the park, which I'll talk about later. Um, I often make changes to my fast passes on the same day while I'm there. So you're not really tied down to a schedule as much as you might think. Okay, now how to make fast passes and use them. Um, you can make them either on the website or in the app. I personally like the app better. It's just simpler and cleaner to see what's available when. You select the date that you're visiting and the park. And then you can pick up to three fast passes for that day. So when you pick a time for your fast pass, say 5.30 p.m. for Frozen Ever After, you're actually picking a one hour window during which you can show up and use your fast pass to get on the ride with little wait. Um, your fast passes time can't overlap at all, however. Those one hour windows can't overlap, so that makes planning a little bit tricky. Um, to use them, you just head to the attraction during your one hour window. You'll tap your park ticket or your magic band to a Mickey icon that's kind of on a post there by the ride. And there'll be a separate fast pass entrance. And if the Mickey turns green, then your fast pass is good and you can get on the ride or see the characters with minimal wait. Though I will say you're likely still going to wait a few minutes for whatever you're doing. Don't expect to just walk on, but it will be far less than people waiting in what Disney calls the standby queue. That means without a fast pass. So what attractions can you fast pass? Um, it's not available for all attractions, but for most of the popular attractions it is. Exceptions are Anna and Elsa in Norway and Epcot. There's no fast passes available for that. There's no fast passes for Magic Kingdom fireworks. There used to be, but they're gone now. So there's 25 attractions just at the Magic Kingdom that you can fast pass. So clearly lots of options. And at all of the parks except Magic Kingdom, there are tiers. What that means is you can only pick one attraction from the first tier to get a fast pass for and then your other two fast passes can be from the remaining um, attractions at the park um, the tiers at epcot are tier one rides include soren frozen ever after illuminations of fireworks viewing and i believe the um fat test track sorry um and at Animal Kingdom Tier 1 are just the two new attractions in um, Avatar Land of Pandora. And at Hollywood Studios, things are changing dramatically this summer when Toy Story Land opens, which I'm going to talk more about later. Um, the Tier 1 attractions starting June 30th will be the three attractions in Toy Story Land. And um, that's changing up what used to be available in Tier 1. Okay, so... The big question is, what should I fast pass? Like, how do I decide if there's 25 rides in Magic Kingdom? So first I'm gonna say what you should not fast pass. Um, the first group of these attractions are ones that rarely build long lines. I mean, unless you're visiting at Christmas, the week between Christmas and New Year's, at Easter, July 4th, like peak times, you're not gonna need a fast pass for these attractions. So at Magic Kingdom, they would be the Mad Tea Party, Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor, the Epcot, the Pixar Short Film Festival, Journey into Imagination, The Seas with Nemo and Friends, and Turtle Talk with Crush. At Animal Kingdom, I'd say it's tough to be a bug, and the formerly Flights of Wonder, The Bird Show, which is now called Up, A Great Bird Adventure. Now, Hollywood Studios, Beauty and the Beast Live on Stage, Indiana Jones, Muppet Vision 3D, and Voyage of the Little Mermaid. 
Now there's also attractions that I don't think you should fast pass because they have amazing queues. So the queue is the waiting area for the ride. Now, at least once, I feel like you should experience the queue of these attractions because they're really part of the whole ride experience. So the first one is Avatar Flight of Passage. I mean, I, this queue is completely insane. It's so good. It's so much a part of the experience that please don't fast pass and miss it. You might have to get there early as soon as the park opens, but go through the standby queue at least once on this ride. Um, I also love the queue at Expedition Everest, and I think it's worth waiting 10 or 15 minutes for just to go and see the queue. The Getty Museum at the end is awesome. Um, Toy Story Mania has a great queue with talking uh, Mr. Potato Head. That's really fun. The Haunted Mansion queue is great, especially for kind of older kids and adults. There's lots of gags and it's really fun. Um, and then the last one I really like is Under the Sea Journey of the Little Mermaid at the Magic Kingdom. Um, it's fun to like walk back through the castle and there's a talking scuttle and there's usually not a long wait for it anyway. So it's a good one to experience. Oh, and one more is Dumbo. If you fast pass Dumbo, you'll miss the whole interactive play area that they've built. It's amazing. It's a good place to give kids time to unwind and have some unstructured time. So don't use a fast pass for Dumbo if you want to take advantage of the play area. So when you're deciding which attractions to fast pass, you really just want to focus on what you personally don't want to miss. You'll have to set your top priorities and that's going to depend on what you want to see and do. I mean, knowing that you're not going to be able to do everything and see everything at Walt Disney World in one trip is something important to understand. I mean, I still haven't seen and done everything. And I, I mean, I've gone 30 plus times over 30 years. So for example, if you have a princess loving little girl, you're probably going to focus on meet and greets and shows that are about the princess. If you have a thrill seeker, coasters and thrill rides are probably going to be your top priorities. And if you have a preschool, some of the slow moving rides and like meeting the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse gang might be your top priorities. Um, so I'm just going to tell you personally what we usually get fast passes for and, um, you know, take what you like and leave the rest. So the Magic Kingdom. Seven Dwarves Mine Train is one we always try to get. It's the most popular attraction at Magic Kingdom. The lines build very quickly in the morning, so I'd suggest getting a fast pass at all if you can. However, if you're not getting your fast pass in the 60 day, the kind of 30 to 60 day window, they might be all gone when you get to get them. Um, at Magic Kingdom, we also like to do at least one character meet and greet because the lines for these are so long and just kind of miserable. They're so slow moving. So I try and get a fast pass for one that we're sure we don't want to miss. Um, particularly, we like the Princess Fairy Tale Hall meets. They're just so well themed and they're really fun. Um, Peter Pan's Flight is one that always has long lines which some people don't expect that this three and a half minute ride is gonna <laughs> build these crazy long lines but I suggest getting a fast pass for it the queue is kind of fun but please don't wait I mean it can be hours for this um, ride which is really fun and a great one for a fast pass um, so another alternative would be the mountains if you can't get a fast pass for seven doors mine train then you might want to get one for space mountain big thunder mountain or splash mountain whichever one interests you the most so at epcot um, i always get a fast pass for soren it's my favorite attraction in the park i ride it every time i'm there and always with fast pass <laughs> um, an alternative to that could be frozen ever after I usually try to ride that first thing in the morning um, without a fast pass, but alternatively, you could go straight to Soren and get a fast pass for Frozen Ever After, but they are hard to get. Um, Soren fast passes are a lot easier to get, so for that reason, I'm usually 
going that route. Um, another one you might not think of is Living with the Land, which is a boat ride in the Land Pavilion right by Soren. People get off of Soaring and want to ride that while they're in the pavilion. So it gets long lines in the late morning and then kind of all afternoon. And I love this attraction, which some people might think is kind of lame, but I try and do it every time I'm there and a fast pass is a good idea. Um, an alternative to that is the character spot, well, which I think you should um, visit. So um, my three fast passes would be Soren, Living with the Land, and a character spot. You can meet Mickey, Minnie, Goofy, um, and it's great for a fast pass because again, the, long, the lines get very long. Um, at Animal Kingdom, I like to fast pass Navi River Journey if I can get one. Um, that is the boat ride in Pandora. It kind of has a boring queue, and of course it gets long waits because it's new, so it's a good one for a fast pass. Um, Kilimanjaro Safari is another kind of boring queue with long waits, so I try to get that. And Rivers of Light is the nighttime show there, and I've fast passed that before and got amazing seats right front and center. I actually haven't seen it without a fast pass, so I don't know how it compares to the seats um, without one, but they're great. And then another one is Mickey and Minnie's uh, meet and greet at Adventures Outpost. It's a kind of unique one because you get to meet them in their safari outfits and it gets long lines, of course. So um, fast passes are rarely available the day of there, so it's a good one to get in advance. And last at Hollywood Studios, you know, the scene is really changing this summer, like I mentioned. So um, I think um, the Slinky Dog Dash is going to be the family coaster in Toy Story Land. And I think that's the attraction that's going to get the longest waits. So I'm going to try and get a uh, fast pass for that one. That, that would be my tier one fast pass there. Um, rock and Roller Coaster, don't miss it if you love coasters. It's definitely the most thrilling attraction in Walt Disney World. So I always try and get a fast pass for that. Um, Star Tours, the wait can get long, especially with um, interest building in um, the Star, Star Wars land coming next year. Um, so I'd suggest a fast pass for that. Um, otherwise, Hollywood Tower of Terror is another great one. And Fast Pass, I'm sorry, Fantasmic is the nighttime show at Hollywood Studios that I've used Fast Passes for um, when I can't do thrill rides, for example, being pregnant or there by myself with our young daughter. And um, the seats are really great for the Fast Pass section for Fantasmic. So to help with figuring out what attractions you want to Fast Pass, I've created a cheat sheet that you can get on thebudgetmouse.com in the Fast Pass post. You do have to sign up for my email newsletter, but I'm guessing most of you are already subscribers. So you just enter your email address there and you'll be taken right to the cheat sheet where you can see all the attractions you can possibly fast pass, which, which is in tier one and with check boxes. So you can kind of make a plan. Now, what if you need to make changes um, when you're on the fly? Um, when it's, you can basically pull up the fast passes in the app when you're in the parks. And I suggest if you go to use a fast pass and the, the waiting, the, the standby queue is relatively short, I mean, 15 minutes or less, I'd say switch your fast pass if there's anything else that interests you that has available fast pass and then just wait in the line. And you can do that even if you're into the window of when you would use that. As long as you haven't scanned your Magic Banner card, you can actually switch your FastPass before you use it if it ends up that the line isn't very long. Um, alternatively, you can use kiosks that are all around the parks. You can just ask a cast member, like, where's the FastPass kiosk? And they'll point you to it. And you can make changes there if the app's not working or if you don't have a smartphone. Now, tips. 
Um, I have a bunch. So here they come. <laughs> Ready. Um, you can calculate the day your FastPass window opens with a date calculator online. The one I like to use is called Time and Date. Dot com and you just go in, enter your date that you're checking in and do, um, you know, minus 30 or 60 days. And that will give you the date where you can start making your fast passes. So I never make fast pass reservations for the first hour the park is open. So if you arrive before the park opens, you'll really be able to walk onto most attractions except the most popular ones during the first hour. If you're visiting during a less crowded time of year, like January, February, September, the end of August, you can expand that to the first two hours that the park is open. So don't plan to use fast passes until say 11 a.m. if the park opens at nine. So I don't know if everyone understands this. When you're staying at a Disney Resort hotel, you can get fast passes for your entire trip at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 60 days before you check in. Now that's limited by how many days you have on your park ticket. So for example, if you're staying seven days and you have a five-day ticket, at 60 days ahead, you can book up to you know seven days into your trip fast passes so you're going to have the best selection um, later on in your trip so what i say is try to get your hard try to snag the hard to get fast passes later in your trip when it's more likely they're going to be available so this would be avatar flight of passage which is the hardest fast pass to get right now any toy story land attraction seven doors mine train frozen ever after those are the big ones okay next tip if you have a park hopper ticket and you're switching parks, I consider getting fast passes for the second park you're visiting. So as long as you get to the first park early and um, you know you can do a lot of attractions with little weight and then head to your second park and use your fast passes later on in the morning or in the afternoon even. Um, I would say don't plan a fast pass after a meal time, anywhere close to a meal time. Um, if it's going to make you rush to finish your meal. So nothing is going to ruin your $200 dinner with the princesses, like having to get out early to not miss your frozen ever after fast pass. So give yourself plenty of time. You know, if you have to wait at the restaurant, if your meal takes longer than you think, give yourself plenty of time so you're not rushing out of there. Um, okay, so after you use your first three fast passes for the day, you can actually get additional fast passes one at a time in the app or at a kiosk. Um, and this is a trick that I use is as soon as you have checked in for your third fast passes, you've scanned your magic band or your card, you can actually make another fast pass. So often you have to do a little bit of waiting to actually get on the ride after you've scanned your magic band. That is a good time to pull it up in your app and see what's available and you can actually book an, a fourth fast pass right then. Now you can only book them one at a time after you use your third. And generally, this is only going to be practical at the Magic Kingdom where there's so many to choose from. Um, and this is really only gonna be practical when it's not a busy time of year. I mean, at a busy time of year, you're gonna go to get your fourth fast pass and nothing's gonna be, be available or attractions that you really probably aren't interested in. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so two more tips. There's a grace period for fast passes that starts five minutes before the official time, before your window, one hour window starts, and ends 15 minutes after your window closes. So I have tried this out myself, both before and after, and it has always worked for me. So that's something that's good to remember, especially if you're running late. Um, and last, this is the best tip. 
There is a way to see all of the current fast passes available for all of the attractions at once at the Touring Plans site. That's touringplans.com. Um, you can see what's available at a glance at, the, at one entire park for up to 70 days in advance. So this is an awesome tool for planning your fast passes, um, especially last minute kind of planning. You want to see what's available. It can take a long time to go through in the app or on the Disney site like time after time after time to see what's available, but you can see all of the windows available at once on the Touring Plans site. All right, let's talk Toy Story Land. So this is the newest land at Walt Disney World. It's opening June 30th at Hollywood Studios. The theme is you're going to shrink to the size of a toy and explore Andy's backyard. There's gonna be three rides, a meet and greet area, and a new quick service dining location. So Toy Story Mania is reopening with a third track, which should cut down on wait times a lot, which is great. And a new entrance and queue with some new characters, uh, Lenny, Andy's walking binoculars, and Chuckles the Clown, which are both from Toy Story 3, will join the queue. The Slinky Dog Dash is the second attraction. Andy assembled this from his Mega Coaster Kit. It's a family-friendly coaster. Think uh, Seven Dwarves Mine Train. And the height requirement is 38 inches, which is actually the same as Seven Dwarves Mine Train. Um, and the third attraction is the Alien Swirling Saucers. This is a play set that Andy won at Pizza Planet. If you've been to Disney's California Adventure, it is similar to Mater's Junkyard Jamboree in Cars Land. Um, except in this attraction, you're going to ride in a toy rocket ship along a track and the height requirement is 32 inches, so it should be pretty tame. Um, the meet and greet is going to involve Woody, Buzz, and Jesse, and I expect really long waits for that. The quick service location is called Woody's Lunchbox, and it's going to serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner, at least at first. What happened at Satuli Canteen at um, Pandora uh, Land of Avatar was that they served breakfast to accommodate kind of the crowds along with the opening, and then they phased it out. So on the lunch and dinner menu, you'll have barbecue brisket melt sandwich for $12.99, smoked turkey sandwich $9.99, a grilled cheese, a Monte Cristo, and a signature item are tachos. So these are potato barrels, which are tater tots, which they can't say for copyright, I guess, coated with beef and bean chili, shredded cheese and signature queso with tomatoes and corn chips, finished with sour cream and a sprinkle of green onions. So feel about the tachos but <laughs> I don't think I'll be trying them but I don't know maybe they'll have a cult following um, now what does interest me is dessert of course um, house made pop tarts are going to include raspberry lunchbox tart raspberry marmalade stuffed pastry coated in a strawberry fondant and crispy pearls and um, even better sounding the chocolate hazelnut lunchbox tart chocolate hazelnut stuffed pastry coated in maple fondant and bacon bits I will be trying that all in the name of research people. Okay, now for breakfast, we have s'mores French toast sandwich for $7.99, a breakfast bowl for $8.49, smoked turkey breakfast sandwich for $7.49, and a banana split yogurt parfait. I don't know how much that is. Now, most interesting here is that Hollywood Studios hours are going to be from 8 a.m. to 10.30 p.m. every day starting July 1st and running at least through August 25th. It may be extended, but for now the calendar looks like it's going back to regular hours at Hollywood Studios, which is 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. 
In addition to those extended park hours, there's going to be morning extra magic hours from 7 to 8 a.m. every morning that whole time. (laughs) And then additionally, Friday night, every week we'll have extra magic hours in the evening from 10.30 p.m. to 12.30 a.m. So clearly they're expecting crowds and they want to accommodate them with these extended park hours. Now, because I'm crazy... I will be there 10 days after this land opens to get the inside scoop for you. Um, I will be there July 9th because everyone wants to go to Disney World in the middle of July. I'm crazy, like I said. And of course, I'm going to share everything I learned with you on the blog and um, here on the podcast. Now, last this week, I have a tip about Dole Whips, which are my favorite treat at Walt Disney World. Um, You can get Dole Whips at the Magic Kingdom, of course, in Adventureland, but also um, you can get them at the Polynesian Resort and new at Pop Century Resort. Now, my preferred Dole Whip is the Twist, the vanilla and pineapple twist, of course. And then my tip is this. You can ask the cast member to split one serving of Dole Whip between two um, cups, and you'll get what's more of like a normal human-sized portion, um, and you can essentially feed twice as many people for, uh, you know, the same price. So I think a Dole Whip is about $4, so you know, for every $4, you'll get two servings. Um, it's great for kids. It's the perfect size for kids anyway. And um, they'll never be the wiser because they won't see you splitting up the Dole Whip between two cups. All they know is they're getting their own cup and you're saving money and sugar in their systems. So that's my tip for Dole Whips. So I want to say thanks again for listening. Um, this is the second episode and I can't wait to do more. Um, it's really fun for me. If you like the show, if you can take a minute to rate and review it in iTunes and even better than that, recommend it to a friend. Um, you can find me at thebudgetmouse.com. I also blog at thefrugalsouth.com, which is kind of a general money saving advice, um, frugal living, budgeting website. Um, you can find me on Instagram at thebudgetmouse and even better, join our Facebook group. So just search for The Budget Mouse on Facebook and ask to join and I will add you. So thanks again for listening and have a magical day.